0: All right, before we talk about the, the new neighbor that moved into his backyard, we're going to just say welcome to the organic gardener, Doug Oster.com. The star of the show is on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline, once again on remote. But we are live and local and ready to hear from you with all of your great questions at 866 391 1020, Dollar Bank, Kinson Access, KDK And if you're the 10th caller as we begin the hour, as we always do, 412 922 1020, you win a $25 gift certificate to sorgal so here he is ladies and gentlemen doug com, the organic gardener doug oster so you have a uh, a little neighbor that uh, decided to move in huh
2: oh rob <laughs> i've got a groundhog and there's nothing <laughs> there's no pest worse i think in a garden than a groundhog and i didn't know i had one uh, i wasn't sure what was in there but i saw him and the only thing i know to do is get that big trap out, live trap him, and release him. Uh, right now, I've got it baited with marshmallows and some uh, kale transplants, because the only thing it seems to be interested in is kale and and some of my big winter radish tops. But boy, I've got a my third or fourth crop of beans in there. I don't want to lose that. I'm basically on hold for planting any of my leafy greens uh, because the groundhog it'll eat anything. Right now. It, it seems to be at one side of the garden, kind of afraid to branch out, but that won't last long. I'm hoping I can catch it and and move on with my planting yesterday. In the heat of the moment, as a gardener, it's like Elmer Fod and, and Bugs Bunny. You know, you're just, I'm just mumbling and grumbling to myself walking back and forth. Oh, I can't believe I got this groundhog. And I, you know, uh, it's in the, in the, scope of the world's problems uh some gardener having a groundhog is no big deal but uh when like i said in the heat of the moment when you are trying to figure out how to keep your garden going when you have a groundhog getting in there it it can be upsetting um if you don't have a groundhog though there's lots of time left uh in fact it's the prime time for planting trees Shrubs and perennials right now. I've been out poking around the nurseries. Lots of good stuff out there. Uh, you know, lots of stuff on st- on sale still. As this new stuff comes in, uh, I did pick up some uh, some more lilies uh, where the you know they don't have a flower on them. They're very hard to sell, and you can get a gallon-sized container with a lily bulb in there, all those roots and everything in there for just a few dollars and plant it now and, and next summer. I know that's a long time to wait, but next summer you're going to have these amazing lilies. And you will be able to tell everybody who comes visit and say, I only paid $3 for that. <laughs> so over at DougOster.com, I'm showing a couple videos, and one is showcasing a 16-foot tall Mexican sunflower. I have never had, I don't know what happened. I have never had a Mexican sunflower grow 16 feet tall uh, and part of working on that uh, the Mexican sunflower is deadheading it. So I'm showing that in the video, plus lots of other things. I'm fertilizing my containers with something called Dramatic. It's from a company called Dram, and it's fish-based, and I've been using it most of the summer, and my containers look great because of it. Uh, and I'm also, uh, I am also have a video there that shows how I'm forcing tomatoes to ripen, uh, to go from green to red or pink or whatever it might be. And all I'm doing is basically just snipping off the tops of the plants. I've heard from lots of people that either planted late or their tomatoes are late and they're not getting tomatoes. And, and we've had so many first-time gardeners this year because of, of COVID that people are saying, oh, I'm just going to scrap it for the season and forget about the, the tomatoes. There's a bunch of green ones on there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can still have a good month at least let, let them ripen up and enjoy them. after all this time of planting your tomatoes just wait they will turn and like i said if you just kind of snip off the tops where they're trying to put on flowers uh... maybe even little tomatoes there's not enough time for most varieties to to co- go get to fruition and so the plant is trying all the all the tomato is to the plant is a seed delivery system and so if we can just trim off those those flowers the plan is going to be like, uh-oh, time to get some seeds. I've got to ripen up what's on there. Uh, if you don't get through today and or you don't want to ask your question on the air, go to that website. Go to DougOster.com. Use the contact uh, form there. Send me your question. I'm getting lots of questions from readers there, and I answer all my questions. They might be part of my Ask Doug series that I'm writing. Uh, whenever I get uh, questions that I think a lot of people be interested in, uh, I put them into Ask Doug. And for the Croatia trip next July on our private yacht uh, for 12 days on the Adriatic Sea, I've only got three lower cabins left. Uh, I've got five on top with three lower cabins. The lower cabins are cheaper. They go first. Uh, and they're really nice. They're the same size as the upper cabin, and they have windows and the whole bit. I it's just... I don't really know why the big deal is if you want, you know, it's more expensive to be closer to the top of the boat. I don't know, but uh, save money if you want to come with me to Croatia next July. If we're still dealing with a virus, you get all your money back, so don't worry about it. And uh, as I've been out talking to different nurseries, uh, I've learned a lot about uh, our modern mom. And, you know, Jessica used to talk all the time about the job she had as a kid in a greenhouse giving those moms two different haircuts at two, two different times of the year to get them to butt up like that. Well, now they don't have to do that. It, the new mom, it, it makes that nice compact habit and will put the flowers on without having to do that pruning. And again, the big question is, how do you get them to overwinter? And it's getting harder and harder. Uh, um, both places that I, I was at asking that gave it about one said 30% chance of, of getting a mum to overwinter, and then another one just said, don't even worry about it. Last year, because of the easy winter, I, I threw a couple of mums that were in containers into the unheated greenhouse, and one of the three made it, and that's in an unheated greenhouse, and it's about to bloom right now. So just get them as, as something to enjoy uh, for the end of the season, and the mums are a tradition, and uh, for us gardeners, uh, you know, I'll be adding them. The the, the trick about mums for me is I want to I want to get them before they started to bloom out. Uh, if I can if I can see one next to the one that I want and see what the color is going to be and it's got nice tight buds on it, it's going to last a lot longer. You've got two flushes of blooms in there. You got the first set of buds and then the second set of buds, and that's what used to be made by people like Jessica to to do that trimming. But now, you know, those buds are on there, and so it's going to last a lot longer if you get them while they're in the, the bud as opposed to flowered out. If they're flowered out already, you know, you might get two weeks out of them if you're lucky. And a little later on, Mrs. Know-it-all is going to be here to talk about common insects that we're seeing in the garden. I'm getting a lot of questions about insects, and every question I get are people asking me, is this the spotted lanternfly? And every answer that I've given has been no. This is a very common insect we see all the time. And this will be interesting. She's explaining why she's removing mulch from her garden. I want to hear about this. That will be a little later on today. Well, Rob, it's it's groundhog time for Uncle Dougie.
0: All right, we'll take a break. We're going to come right back. And we're going to talk to Mike. We'd love to hear from you as well, too. So if you have a question for Doug, now would be a great time to call 866-391-1020. Good morning, everybody. Yes, he is. And joining Doug right now, up first, as promised, let's talk to uh, Mike, who is on the line today from West Mifflin. Hey, Mike, good morning, and welcome to the Organic Gardener. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine, fine. Uh, I want to say uh, that
3: this year I... In my lifetime, I've never had such a bad year for tomatoes. Um, and I don't know what was wrong, but I planted, like, five different varieties and planted them in different locations in the yard, and, and the, the plants grew fine. Tomatoes had flowers, and they formed. But as they got larger and they started to get red, they would quit getting red. Part of the tomato would be red and then part would be green. And then they would start getting these little round-like Oh, uh, decay spots on them. I probably didn't get a tomato off of uh, many, many of the plants, uh, and I just wonder what's wrong. Am I soil deficient? Do I have some? Well, kind of a, it could a be.
2: It could be a couple of things without seeing it. Uh, one problem that's been out there uh, is tomato fruit worm, and you would know if it was a fruit worm. That's one type of kind of like little hole in the tomato, and. As they start to ripen up, they they just rot because of what the tomato uh, fruit worm is doing in there. It's just a little itty bitty worm, maybe an inch long. Uh, the other thing that I'm thinking is could be a, a fungal issue called anthracnose. Could be,
0: uh, and, yeah.
2: And I need to I need to see a tomato to be sure what what the problem is. But uh, you, the fact that you had them in different spots in the garden is is a good thing but again without seeing it, it it's hard to to identify exactly what the problem is we'll ask mrs know-it-all see what she thinks but uh it sounds like a fungal issue but you know we didn't have that much rain uh so uh, again if you had a picture of that i would really like to see that if you could just send that through dougoster.com then i could identify exactly what the problem is most pr- People had problems with uh, their tomatoes with something called blossom end rot because we didn't have any rain. And so uh, the tomato would grow, and then the bottom would have this just black rot on it, uh, which is, uh, of course, a disappointment. At this point, though, um, just ride it out, and and hopefully you'll get some tomatoes. That's, That's the best you can do right now.
3: I will take a pictures, and then I will send them to you on oh, your, that would be on your website. that would
2: be great. That would be great. Then we'll be able more, to figure it out for sure.
0: So what up with these uh, black spots on tomatoes? We had somebody call, didn't want to go on the air. What, what's the deal with that? Uh?
2: Again, uh, with the, it, usually it's blossom end rot, and when the plant doesn't get the water that it needs, it can't get the calcium out of the soil that it needs. The calcium is usually there or even in a, a container, and if, if that... Uh, system can't bring up the the calcium that it needs, then that's how it manifests itself by rotting on, on the bottom. A lot of times that, that blossom and rot that will heal up. And then usually it's on the earlier tomatoes. And once you see them, you realize, oh, I've got to get water on that plant and keep it. Tomatoes need evenly moist soil. And that was a tough thing to do this season, just because we had that, oh, long, that's why when we're planting tomatoes, we, we want to mulch them with a nice thick layer of straw. That helps, but in a season like this, you know, we're basically watering tomatoes uh, twice a week to keep them just to keep them alive.
0: Talk to me about leaving a stump in the ground after the tree has come down. Can that do any damage to the soil or ground? And this is something we could talk to Davy Tree about. What, what what do you think about
2: yeah, that? Yeah, not not damage to the ground, but the thing is, most people want to do is when they when they when a plant or a tree is gone, they want to plant something. And so it, it, depending on what the tree was that was there before and what the roots look like, that depends, you know, how, how you can dig, where you can get in there. If you're going to put another tree in that same spot, it's, it's, it's much better for you to uh, get a stump grinder or have somebody with a stump grinder get that out of there. And now you've got a, a pretty much – open area to plant again. Oftentimes we see big pine trees come down and then we know that that soil is probably going to be very acidic because pine needles have been on it year after year after year. So when you have a stump there, if you can't get the stump out, work around with a shovel until you've got a spot where you can plant and then it's always a good idea to get a soil test where something else was growing so you know exactly what that number is that scientific number for your ph or fertility and you can take that scientific number and use a scientific formula to amend that soil and get it back to what it should be all
0: right doug would love to hear from you We have a wide open phone bank now at 866-391-1020 mrs Noah will be here in just about 20 minutes we have that gift certificate to give away from Janoski's in just a couple of moments boy this is the time of year to visit all of these sponsors right doug
2: Oh man, I'm telling you. Uh, like I said, first off, any perennials that have been there are going to be on sale, and they are fine to plant. Uh, you know, the reason, one of the reasons that we're going to a good nursery is that we know they've been watered. Uh, if we go somewhere else where people don't know what they're doing with plants and it, it hasn't been watered, it, it you might look okay when you buy it, but when you get it in the ground, it's going to struggle. All these plants have been taken care of, and again, I, I've been poking around at the nurseries. There's all sorts of great deals for perennials out there as the new stock comes in, but you know, some of that new stuff is absolutely beautiful. So many people, again, we, we've had so many first time gardeners, and they're all putting in what they remember their parents putting in or grandparents or all annuals, as we continue garden we're always trying to put perennials in because we only have to put them in once and they'll bloom year after year after year it's just they don't most of them don't bloom as long as annuals like uh, marigolds or impatients
0: all right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back on the other side, and uh, we'll get more of your calls. I want to hear from you right now, though, because uh, this hour is going to get away from us real quick, and Mrs. Noah will be here as well soon. So fill up these phone lines, whatever you'd like to talk to Doug about. Now would be a great time to call 866-391-1020. Doug, real quick before the break, mild temperatures coming up, a little bit of rain. This is a good time to get out and clean up that yard, right?
2: Oh, definitely. You know, we're always looking for rain, uh, especially in this season. I thought after that last rain that we had, we'd be in good shape, but it slowed down again. We haven't had rain. I'm looking forward to the rain today. And keep planting. That's the thing. When we come back from the break, we'll talk uh, about all the things that we can plant, and especially in the vegetable garden, that is assuming... You don't have a groundhog running around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think that's pretty funny, don't you, Rob? Well,
0: I got to tell you something. I didn't want to tell the audience this, but I, I actually had a groundhog show up at my house, but he was just looking for your address. So I. Uh, Thanks. I, I... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you sent him my way. <laughs> I'm sure he won't be there long, though. All right, we'll take a break. Stay with us, folks. You know, today would be a great day, but it's always a great day at the farm. Janowski's Farm to get out there in Clinton. They open at 9. They'll be there at 9 a.m. until 7 p.m. And if you're the 10th caller in one of your future trips, you'll have $25 to spend because we've got a gift certificate worth that amount for you right now if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. All right, here we go. It's Jim in Wexford for Doug Oster, the organic gardener. Good morning, Jim.
4: Morning, Doug. Uh, I have a Japanese maple tree. It's about 35 years old. It's about 12-foot diameter, the spread on the uh, you know, leaves, and maybe 6, 7-foot high. So It's like, a, like an umbrella. And uh, I have about a bunch of weeds here. There's got to be a 1,000 little weeds that just recently germinated. They're probably an inch, inch-and-a-half high. And I know maples have a shallow root system. And I'm wondering what I could use safely to kill those weeds. I don't want to hand-pick a thousand weeds. And the second part of the question is leaves are brown and crinkled around the edge. Uh, I don't think it's dying or anything, but i was wondering why that could possibly be.
2: Well, the the brown leaves are probably just stressed from uh, drought and heat. Probably nothing to worry about, just because the, those trees are tough, and especially one that, that that's been around that long. Uh, if it was me, I would just use a uh, some type of uh, like string trimmer underneath the
4: the tree. I can't get on it. I can't get on another with a string trimmer. Uh, it's like an umbrella.
2: Anything anything you put on there is going to adversely affect the uh, the tree. They make some. Some things that are very high in iron that that will take care of broadleaf weeds
4: like dandelions. But what are we talking about as far as weeds? Do you know what it is? They're they're not a dandelion. It's just something that uh, apparently there was a lot of. I've weeded under there at least two or three times, maybe three times this year to try and get them. But they were mature at the time, so uh, it's got to be a seed weed. That uh, I don't think it was spread by a root like that. How many.
2: Well, how about germinates at the same be- time. Would it be possible to get some mulch underneath there? Could you throw some mulch underneath and just kind of smother well, them? That, uh, that I, I thought about I,
4: putting like a, a plastic mulch on and try and suffocate them or, you know, make them go a bit. Don't, put, but don't use no plastic. The water, just get, use no water a, gets to the root system. Yeah.
2: If you use plastic, you, you're going to be negatively affecting that tree. I would just use regular like bark mulch or something and, and throw it underneath there and, and – suffocate those weeds for the end of the season here since you can't get underneath there i certainly don't want you on your hands and knees plant pulling out a thousand
4: <laughs>
0: seedlings
2: Um <laughs> uh, if you can get mulch underneath there that would be the way that i would probably try and deal with it okay all right i'll give that a try good luck okay thanks Thanks. Doesn't sound doesn't
0: sound fun, does it, Rob? No it doesn't. No it doesn't. I just think callus is in the future. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my goodness. You know gardening is not easy work. That's why and this may sound so strange but you need to do a little exercise before you get out. You got to make sure that you eat a good diet, obviously, the stuff that you grow from your garden. But, you know, if you just think you're going to pick up one day and dig in, you should think again. Back in the day, our family, our parents, they were always moving, doing stuff. And because of technology and computers and how we live our lives today, smartphones, it's a little different. So, one of the things I think we should talk about, Doug, is if you plan on starting a garden next year, And like all of us, you could lose a few pounds, be in better shape, you know, get the cardiovascular moving a little bit. It might not be a bad idea, right?
2: You know, another thing that I talk a lot about is stretching. Uh, You know, sure, if you're 30 years old, you might be able to run that wheelbarrow back and forth, you know, 20 times. But if you're 61 like me, stretching is an important part of if you're going to be spending the whole day in the garden doing this and doing that, uh, certainly cardio is a great thing that's one of the reasons people love to garden is it's kind of like uh, you know a couple hours of cardio but that stretching especially for your back uh, is really important and don't overdo it use your legs don't use your back you kind of get the hang of it when you're moving mulch you know like that uh, a poor guy's got to try and figure out how to stop those weeds when you're moving mulch to do that you, you you get a feel for it in your body, especially as you get older, you're, you're thinking about it. You want to do it in a way that you're not going to be in a lot of pain the next day. And taking breaks is important. Uh, but this is planting time for sure. You know, the bulbs are just coming into the nurseries now. And uh, people are not planting bulbs the way they used to when I started gardening, you know, 30-some years ago. Every year I have to plant some bulbs. The 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 best trick I can give you for planting bulbs is this tool called a bulb auger, and it's just a big giant drill bit, basically. The one I use is from a company called Power Planter, and they're not paying me to say that. I just I love that Power Planter, and it's uh, about three and a half inches wide by seven inches uh, long, and. The hard part about planting bulbs is is you're you're trying to get a big drift of them. You know, it might be 100 bulbs, it might be 200 bulbs if, if you really want it to look uh, spectacular, and that's a lot of work. And so, with that bulb auger, you can just be on your hands and knees with your bulbs on one side, your auger on the other. You drill your hole, drop that bulb in, drill another hole. If you have deer issues, you know daffodils. Are, or there's, you know, at least 14 different divisions of daffodils, and so you can have beautiful doubles that I love, but also your standard trumpet daffodil. Uh, and and then we can you go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> there are heirlooms that you can get. There's a, a company called Old House Gardens that I love that sells all sorts of heirloom bulbs. Um, there's a company called Van Engeland that sells bulk bulbs inexpensively. So in my case, I'm, you know, you know how cheap I am. I, I want to buy a, a hundred bulbs so I can save money and I'll put 50 here, 50 there, or put all a hundred together, whatever it might be. But think about planting some bulbs. There's one type of bulb called uh, snowdrops uh, that I talk about a lot because it's one of the first things to bloom in the spring and that can be as early as sometime in January if the stars align we get a thaw they're close to the house up they come you get these little white flowers in January or February or March depending on how the winter starts and once those things start blooming that's just the 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 ticket for spring <laughs> there's no stopping us once something blooms you know you get snowdrops then you get to the crocuses Uh, glory of snow um it's just they're not around long they're ephemeral but that's what we love about them uh because they are the thing we see every year at that certain time of the year and it's it's just wonderful especially early on when you're you're so sick of winter no matter how easy the winter is it's still so wonderful wonderful to see spring and those spring bulbs um, I couldn't, I couldn't have a spring without them, you know, and I always like to put some new ones in and I'm looking through the catalogs now and I'm looking at the nursery at, at different varieties. It's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Do you see yourself doing this 10 years from now, Doug? I mean, garden? Oh,
2: definitely. Really? Definitely. You know, I even, I don't know if I, I'm doing it certainly differently than when I was 25, but I don't know if I'm doing it much different than when I was 45, you know, I, I maybe, uh, but I feel good. And, I love I love time in the garden. You know, I was walking out there yesterday, even under in, under the uh, dark shadow of a groundhog. When I walked into the garden, I was just – I actually yelled back to my wife. She was reading, and I said, oh, man, you should look at the garden now with the way the light is. Um, you fi- I think you figure out ways to do it easier as you get older uh, and, you know, adding perennials, adding – you know you've you've been growing plants for a long time you know some that are that are just so reliable for you i'm actually i'm gonna i'm gonna do this whole series of videos called you should grow this because the basic premise is that if i can grow it in my you know disaster of a garden (laughs) you can grow it in yours oftentimes i see these really beautiful gardens where people are saying i tried this variety and look at how it did yeah sure in that garden but I've got some beans out there, a pole bean called Montegusto, that I just threw those seeds behind the garlic and crossed my fingers. And I've picked more beans than you could possibly imagine, Rob.
0: All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Doug. And we got calls now from McKeesport, Butler, Whitehall, and Swickley. Next hour, tailgate from home with Joe and Frank Dentisi. And yes, he is. Go ahead, Doug. Time for Mrs. Know It All.
2: That's our friend and horticulturalist, Denise Schreiber. And, Denise, did you hear that question about tomatoes?
1: Yeah, you know, with blossom and rot, it's you know, people are always putting Epsom salts on. You know, Epsom salts doesn't even have any calcium in it, so that's ridiculous. Calcium is actually in the tomato, but it needs the water to actually distribute it through the tomato, you know, as as it grows. So well, this guy this guy he was
2: talking about uh just brown soft spots along the tomato. Which, without seeing it, I was guessing anthracnose or tomato fruit worm. When you see
1: little soft, I'd go spots for the tomatoes. anthracnose, you'd, you'd see some sort of little hole, but um, yeah, it, it's been a weird season. In fact, what I, I already ripped out my tomatoes, um, I had a lot what? of early blight this year. I also had septoria, which is a fungus, also, and so. They're gone, and then I've got a few other things that are still growing. And once they're done, I'm actually going to rake out all of my mulch, which I always leave it on year to year to break down and have it for the next year. But I'm actually going to rake it out and get it out of the garden completely this year just because those spores actually fall uh, on it. And, you know, like you have a little tomato, you ever find a tomato growing, you know, the following spring, you know, it means you missed a tomato, it fell, whatever. And so uh, that's something that does happen. And so I'm going to remove it all. And obviously, you know, rotating, you know, your crop is always good. I'm limited in how much rotation I can do and for the amount of tomatoes I grow. So, but I am able to do that. In fact, my beans even got anthracnose this year. It looked like really Yeah, well, you know, you think, I didn't realize this- what it was until um, I got a diagnosis from a former Penn State Extension um, person, and it's anthracnose, and it looks like somebody bites off the tip of the bean, and I grow pole beans, and it's black. I'm thinking, well, beans don't get blossom end rot. So What is this? And it turned out to be anthracnus.
2: Why on such a dry, hot year do you think you had the fungal issues?
1: Because we had all that high humidity. You know, mm-hmm. it's just because we didn't have rain didn't mean we didn't have humidity. And, you know, there were days that, you know, I got a pool out there and it's like, it's too hot to even go out there. I don't want to go out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you in that hot weather. How about
2: uh, getting a lot of questions about some common insects that we're seeing right now?
1: Well, the one, um, and I posted it on my Mrs. Know-It-All page, is a leaf-footed magnolia bug. And for some reason, they like hanging out on members of the curcubit family. If they don't do anything to it, they just kind of hang out there. And so they kind of look like very, they're bright red with black legs, mm-hmm. and the le- they look a little bit like an ant at first glance, and their legs are very high as opposed to an ant. And you'll see hundreds of them congregating together, but you might see the parent, and the parent has kind of a flat foot, and they call them leaf-footed. And they, they don't do anything. They're not uh, beneficial. They're not really harmful. They may snack on your magnolia once in a while, but they really don't even do any damage. But for some reason, we're seeing them on zucchini. We're seeing them on pumpkins. We're seeing them on, in my gourds, actually. I have a gourd that has, like, deep grooves in it. the grooves. And it's it, like an infestation, the pictures
2: that people are sending me, and they get, they get yeah, worried.
1: Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing to worry about. You know. And I realize it's not a bug that we see often.
0: But I do know it's often enough that uh, we're about four minutes away from the news, so we're going to have to wrap it up, Doug. Mrs. All, always great to have you. Looking forward to having you next week. Doug, it's uh, your turn.
2: Thanks, Denise. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow.
0: All right, Doug. Good stuff. Talk to you next week. Folks, stay tuned. Boris, next with the news.